Welcome to the Tash Show Podcast. The new license plate in Ontario. Starting to see these things pop up all over the place. Do you like them? What are your thoughts? Jim, you think the new license plates look uh, suspiciously familiar. Yeah. Like the first second I saw them on an article saying these new licenses are, are coming, I was like, those Ontario license plates look exactly like Q-tip boxes. <laughs> the font's the same. The color scheme is the same. It's the exact same thing. You went as far to prove your point as to tape a Q-tip box to the back of your vehicle. Mm-hmm. And drive around for a bit and see if anybody pulled me over or noticed. Nothing. I went through four red lights. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> I went down the 407. Haven't seen a bill since. I drove around uh, backwards with all four doors open. Nobody <laughs> pulled me over. That's what it looks like, though, and uh, people are sharing it. People agree, Taz. It's almost the same size. Mm-hmm. The Q-tip box is the license plate as well. Yeah, and they both look like they're made out of the same material, cardboard. The new license plates, a lot of people saying that they're easily forged because they are flat. They don't have, you know, the current license plates. The numbers and the letters are raised on it, right? Beveled. The new license plate, just completely flat, so if you had a printer, like a really good mm-hmm. printer, you could easily print off a giant sticker to put a different license plate number over top of the plate you have. Yeah. That would be the easiest thing ever. And we don't know if they're durable. Some of the old plates were falling apart. That's true. Like the numbers were peeling off. Mm-hmm. And they say, oh, these ones will last way longer. Says who? So they say. Remember the sticker debacle on the gas pumps? Right. Those are supposed to stay stuck on there, and they didn't. For less than two months, they started peeling off. Like, I got a feeling these things are not going to last either. Well, Doug Ford, he knows his stickers. He runs a, doesn't he run a sticker company? Isn't that Uh, what Doug Ford's uh, day job is? Sticker company? (laughs) Their family's business, I think, was like some sort of sticker-related business. What are the odds that one of his buddies runs a license plate company or something? I think it's pretty safe to say that Doug Ford knows a couple people who are making license plates. (laughs) Stamping them. (laughs) I don't know, man. And the people are saying, like, the blue background, the white lettering, people are saying they're really hard to see at night. Just in general, of all things to focus on, why, what was wrong with the old license plates, other than the fact that some of them were peeling away? Why not just change the paint? Yours to discover just wasn't catchy enough. They had to revert to a place to grow. Yeah, and they also didn't think that through, too, because if you look at the blank license plates before they go in the car, a place to grow is positioned right between the two screw holes that hold the license plate holder. So when you put a license plate holder on the back of a car, it covers the, lo- the slogan. Like dealerships, car dealerships, yeah. when you leave, they'll put on such and such Ford... You know, such and such Chrysler, they'll put the the black plastic frame around the plate. Yeah, here's a guy named Travis. He works at uh, Perth County Chrysler in uh, Mitchell. Look at that. They're sending them out yesterday with the new plates. The, the, The plate cover or holder covers the whole phrase. What was the point? The new Q tip box license plates. I like how people are like, ooh, there's one guy. At least they're not boring and plain anymore. I think that's the whole purpose of a license plate. Like, make them legible and simple. They don't need to be fancy. I want to see you peacock. Time for sports with Devin Peacock. Hey, Dev. Morning, guys. 
So this lawsuit involving the president of the Toronto Raptors seems crazy to me. It just seems like the biggest joke. So we all remember uh, last year when, of course, the Toronto Raptors, uh, last June when the Raptors uh, beat the uh, Golden State Warriors. Masai Ujiri was watching the last moments in the tunnel. The Raptors win. He goes out to the court to celebrate with the team. And that is at some point along the way, he runs into this uh, county uh, sheriff. And he and the sheriff get into some sort of a tussle. And it's alleged at that time that Ujiri did not have the proper credentials and that he punched and shoved and got into a bit of a fight with the sheriff before he was allowed onto the court. There was a lot of video about this. There was video that showed he did have credentials. He was holding them in his hand. The sheriff's department later said he had credentials, but not all the right credentials he apparently needed. He was charged. The charges were dropped after he met with the district attorney and the police, and then they dropped the charges. They said it would be better served uh, out of courts. And then there was kind of nothing going on until yesterday when this uh, uh, lawsuit was uh, dropped. But the lawsuit itself contains weird language about how the uh, Raptors and the NBA should have known about Ujiri's violent disposition and just describes him as an extremely violent person. But even if you go back to the altercation, there are people who say there was some shoving, but there was no actual punching. And so we can't even get clear as to what actually happened, even though there's some videos, but it doesn't show the whole altercation. And it talks about Ujiri being an angry person, uh, being a person who is predispositioned to uh, anger, and it's just completely at odds with what everyone knows about Masai Ujiri. From the police officer's lawsuit, it claims that Ujiri hit him in the face and chest with both fists. For as many cameras that people have in their hands during that final you know, part of the game, nobody's got that on camera. Multiple punches to the chest and face. And the guy's saying he has permanent nerve damage from the altar. To to me, if that is going to cause you permanent nerve damage, if you can't handle getting in a a mild tussle with another person, uh, police work is probably not the profession you should be in in the first place. No. What is the cop asking for? What does he want out of the lawsuit? It didn't seem like he was looking for a ton of cash. There was like $75,000 was uh, some of what he was looking for. He wants medical expenses. He wants lost wages. But also he alleges in the lawsuit that this is going to be an ongoing thing for the rest of his life. So he wants money for that as well. So I didn't see... (laughs) I didn't see a full uh, dollar figure. Like but he, he can never seem work be- again because yeah. he's he's traumatized from this experience, or is it the nerve damage that's going to keep him off the force? Apparently, Masai Ujiri's the Hulk, and you know he pushes you, and and your 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 you're nerves done. are just bent. Yeah, you're done. From the lawsuit, he will continue to suffer physical, mental, emotional, and economic injuries, included to but not including but not limited to lost wages, lost opportunity for financial gain, future earning capacity, and a past and future medical care and expenses. Give me a break! It sounds like he was pushed down a stairwell. Even that would be, you know, something more (laughs) than... At least that would be something that actually happened. None of this seemed to actually happen. He found like a quick payday and he's going for it. I thought these two crazy kids had a chance of making it. I guess not. So close. Pamela Anderson and her new husband have already called it quits. They got married 
what was it, last week? Yeah, two weeks ago. Yeah, on, a, mon- days. on a Monday, <laughs> which we thought was kind of weird. But, hey, love is love. doesn't matter what day of the week it is. Well, on day 11 of their marriage, movie producer John Peters, he's 74 years old, he dumped Pam by text message <laughs> telling her, quote, this whole marriage thing has scared me. <laughs> After the marriage. It made me realize that at age 74, I need a simple, quiet life and not an international love affair. The world knows we did it. And I think now we need to go our separate ways. I hope that you can forgive me. I don't know how she's ever going to forgive them. She invested so much of her time into this life. 11 days. (laughs) He also says that he loves her. He wants to be in her life forever. And still wants her to star in a movie that he's producing. Hmm. Okay. Seems amicable. There's something. They were never officially married because they didn't do the paperwork. Which is probably a good thing if you're Pamela Anderson. Just, just hold off on the paperwork for the first two years of marriage. Unless her goal was to get half of this guy's money, then yeah. she really missed the boat. Uh, John Peters says he feels like an old fool. <laughs> There's no fool like an old fool, yeah. says, says John Peters. Pam walked out because she found him too controlling. That's the other side After of the story. 10 days? <laughs> give me a break. You'd think like just so this didn't blow up in the tabloids, you'd just stretch it out to three months. What's the difference? Okay, but listen to this. I think Pam did okay. Uh, John Peters says he's an old fool. I dropped everything for Pam. She had almost $200,000 in bills and no way to pay them. So Uh, I paid them, and this is the thanks I get. There we go. There it is. It was all a ruse. She got what she wanted. She got it. I'm sure he got what he wanted, too. You think so? If you know what I'm saying. (laughs) Well, if they didn't fill out the paperwork, do you think they consummated? consummated? I don't know. He's 74. not saying he can't, but maybe less likely to. He's probably juicing. Oh, big time. Yeah, he's popping a popping a pill or two in the <laughs> afternoon to make sure he's ready for the evening. Uh, so, uh, according to John, they're going to stay in touch, but hmm. as of now, the wedding's off. I'm just impressed that a 74-year-old knows how to text message. <laughs> so it's like my mom's age. She struggles with the technology. Yeah. Good for her. She get accidentally married somehow through text. Wait, what? <laughs> what did I push? Just wondering if my mom has any debt that needs to be paid off now that John (laughs) Peters is single again. Oh, would you just look at that? Video gone viral. You you gotta see this. It's crazy. So there's a gentleman's club, an adult club in Texas called XTC Cabaret. And uh, a video has been posted online of one of the dancers there. They've got a giant empowerment pole. The empowerment <laughs> pole in this place is yeah. like 15, 20 feet tall, okay? Mm-hmm. And this uh, this dancer, is she climbs all the way up to the empowerment pole, the top of it, and starts doing some move where she's trying to flip around or maybe go straight out at the top of the pole, and things don't work out. She slips off the pole. Uh, this is She starts falling. Immediately when I play this audio, you can hear the thud. Just a warning, it's a pretty intense thud, okay? It's worse if you watch the video, but even just hearing the noise, 
of this dancer falling from the top of the empowerment pole. Is she okay? <laughs> Listen again. Oh, man. She like almost landed in a splits and then it looks like her upper body then hit the deck after that. That looks painful in several different ways. And she gets right back into it. They're calling her the bounce back stripper because she lands face down and then slides back onto her knees and starts uh, shaking her booty again. Yeah, the all fours twerk. Yeah, starts twerking. She has put a uh, video out explaining how she's doing because people are very concerned about her. Her name is Gina Sky, and this is what she has to say about the incident. Um, so I didn't want to have to do this. Um, originally, I didn't plan on posting about this situation at all. Um, but obviously, the video has gone viral, and I'm getting a lot of messages asking me if I'm okay and like all this stuff. So I decided I'd update everybody and let everyone know what's going on. Um, I pretty much broke my jaw, and I have to have surgery on it tomorrow. I um, broke some teeth, and oh I got a sprained ankle, but aside from, and I got some stitches, but aside from that, like, I'm good. I I have no broken limbs. I walked away myself. Like, I got up right after it happened, um, and I'm just really overwhelmed by all the messages and everything. And I'm so thankful, though, for all the positive messages I've been getting and all the love. And it really means a lot. So that's why I decided to post this video just to say thank you and just let you guys know that I am having a hard time, but I am okay. And I'm going to be okay. Now, the club she was dancing at, they say she's responsible. It was her routine. What? They didn't tell her to climb that pole and go all the way to the top. That was her prerogative. So they say they are not responsible for any of her medical bills. But they're going to do what they can to support her. Yeah, right. I take them at their word. I The Wemis representative is who should be held accountable. That pole is way too large. Why make it that tall if you're you're just inc- inciting somebody to climb all the way to the top? <laughs> they need a crash pad like firefighters when they slide down the pole and there's oh, something yeah. to land on. Hey, it's Taz and Jim. She's more than 10 feet off the ground. She needs a fall arrest harness. That pole's a problem. <laughs> That's right. Working at heights. Exactly. <laughs> it's true, though. She, that would be like falling off a roof if you were a roofer. Oh, yeah. The, the height she fell from is serious. Yeah. This girl needs two anchor points tied down to a secure location and a harness. Uh-huh. And you got to have three points of contact at all times. <laughs> right? Two points. Is it two? Yeah, yeah. I think. One, one hand. Two, one, two. One, two. <laughs> Either way. <laughs> Let's talk about another lawsuit in the world of sport here, Dev. This time it's a Blue Jays pitcher who is filing a lawsuit. 
Yeah, this was interesting. When I first saw the story, I thought, come on. And at the end of the day, I think he's going to lose this. But Mike Bolsinger is a uh, former Blue Jay. If he doesn't sound familiar, he wasn't in the majors for long with the Jays, but he pitched for the Jays in 2017. His last appearance for uh, the Blue Jays and in the majors was August 4th, 2017. That's when he threw 29 pitches against the Houston Astros, and they lit him up. He gave up four runs, four hits. He uh, walked a couple guys. It was one of the worst outings of his major league career. He was demoted to AAA the next day, and he's now pitching, or last year he pitched in uh, Japan. He is suing the Houston Astros, saying their unfair business practices played a role in him no longer having a major league career. That's kind of an interesting argument because they were cheating. They were using technology to steal signs. They were beating the uh, garbage can to let the batters know what pitches were coming. So his thought is, butterfly effect, if they weren't cheating, maybe he would have had the game of his life. And or he's not just only, a passable game. He'd still be in the majors. Not only that, there was an analysis done. So of the game he pitched and the time he was on the mound, so he threw 29 pitches. During 12 of those 29 pitches, there was a, uh, there was the garbage can was being uh, drummed. And that was more apparently than any other uh, pitcher that day. And one of the most frequent uses of the garbage can drumming in 2017. (laughs) But also it's kind of weird that you need it for Mike Bolsinger. No offense to Mike Bolsinger, but he's 32 years old he didn't make the majors until he was 27 years old he's not exactly a household name yeah you're still cheating even when it's not like the starting pitcher you're cheating with these guys that you should be able to just get up there and do your thing with i love that they can go back and review these tapes now (laughs) and they're counting the number of times the garbage can is heard in the background. Yeah. It's that obvious. Dev, if this guy sues and he's successful, then can't every other player in every other organization sue as well? Like, there's no way this precedent is going to be set or else the cards will start to fall. It would be, you're right, it would be a precedent-setting uh, uh, case because, yeah, I mean, that's why I think it's going to be difficult for him to prove because, like, number one, uh, again, no offense to Mike Bolsinger, but you're Mike Bolsinger, so he had, he played, he had a very brief major league career, and he has to prove that if it were not for the Houston Astros, he would still be having a career, which I think is going to be difficult if you look at his career numbers, just the way his career went. He was drafted in the 15th round in 2010. He didn't make the majors until uh, four years later, but even then he was 27 years old. He's 32 years old now. So is the career of the middle reliever journeyman different that for him than anyone else. And I think it's going to be difficult for him to prove. But if they can prove it, then there's any number of people who could come out and say, yeah, we want to, we want ours too because you ruined his career. What about my career? It's worth the shot, man. Think about how much earning potential these guys would have if they had a championship under their belts. You know, like when does it end? He's not asking for a ton of crazy stuff, too. So there's three different lines he's want for money. So one is his career earnings, which is not disclosed. He wants the Astros to give up $31 million in bonuses and uh, donate that to a charity in Los Angeles for kids at uh, risk. And he wants the Astros to set up a fund for retired players who have financial difficulties. So his lawsuit is not all about money for him, although the money that he wants is undisclosed.
Birds of Prey. That's the uh, the movie with Margot Robbie, Harley Quinn. It was originally titled Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. And now they've decided, it's been in theaters for a week, they've decided to change the name of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh-oh. It, by the way, that is a terrible original title for a movie. I think we can all agree. The Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Uh, the film was projected to make around $60 million over this past opening weekend in theaters. It only made around $33.2 million, and everyone's pointing fingers. What's wrong? What? Why is this thing not making more money? And I guess they figure that people just don't realize that it's about the Joker's girlfriend. Yeah. So now they are calling the movie... Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey. Simple, boring, but simple. Should have done it the first time, maybe. It's too late at this point. Everybody knows who's in the movie and what it's about. Like, if you're a fan, like, is anybody walking to the theater and not knowing what they're going to see before they get there and just picking something off the wall? If the movie you're going to see is sold out, then you will go with the second That's true. That is true. I think the problem is it's a sequel to a terrible movie. Right. right. Suicide Squad was not revered in any way. Um, that's the biggest problem, right? Can you remember? I, there was that Tom Cruise movie. Do you remember any other movie was cha- that has changed titles once it's been released? Which Tom Cruise movie? The one... The uh, Edge of Tomorrow? The Edge of Tomorrow was the original title. And then they changed it to Live, Die, Repeat. Mm-hmm. Didn't they? Yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah. That was a good movie. Awesome movie. And this Harley Quinn movie, getting decent reviews as well. Yeah. I I think also one of the problems is a lot of the marketing was, you know, with the Batwoman movie and a couple other female-led superheroes, it's like uh, taking a really hard feminist stance and kind of turning people off. Like, I am a woman. Hear me roar. Almost anti-man. Yeah. So men are like, well, I don't want to go see a movie about how terrible men are. And even, Makes me feel bad about myself. Even Ewan McGregor in the, the, the promotion leading up towards this movie was like, this one, we're taking men down. And I think, I think there's, the majority of comic book readers are men. So I think it's, you're, you're, you're rubbing your audience the wrong way. Half of your audience anyways. At least. That's the Taz Show podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And remember, you can tune in on the radio, 95.9 on the uh, dial in the London area. That's FM 96 or FM 96.com.